Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Chop Shop Sports. I'm joined today by the newest member of Chop Shop Sports, my good friend Riley. Hey everyone, hope everything's well. I'm Riley, here today with Paul, ready to chop it up a little bit. Yeah, Riley, this is, uh, we're, we're here today to talk about the NHL postseason, the NHL bubble, and hopefully get into a little bit about the NHL draft process. And I want to kick it off. We did a piece today about Gary Bettman and the corona-free bubble that is the NHL and his decision to move the bubble to two cities in Canada versus the NBA, which sent everybody down to Orlando, or the MLB, which decided that teams would play in their home stadiums. Both sports having cases pop up. Hockey has not. What, what is the big deal with hockey not having any issues? Um, Paul, well, I think first off, the distractions in Edmonton and Toronto are dramatically less than the ones in Orlando for NBA players, and I believe that that fits the lifestyle of most NHL players there are today. I mean, you have a, a league of guys that are a little older, a little more mature than a lot of the younger leagues around the, around the sports world today. So one of the... the the problems that people had with the NHL restarting was the amount of games they were going to play and the amount of meaningful games. The NBA restart only did eight regular season games, but the NHL bubble had one or two preseason type games. And then they went right into almost a playoff like series playing a five game set and then moving into a normal Stanley Cup playoffs. A lot of people thought that they should split the first round of the Stanley Cup playoff into another five-game series, but the players were adamant they wanted this to be a traditional playoff experience. Could you speak to me a little bit about that mindset? Um, yeah, I think the significance of the Stanley Cup and the Stanley Cup playoffs itself really played a big role in what the players wanted. Uh, the story and tradition that there is with the Stanley Cup influenced them in the decision, and I think that they wanted to have the entire experience of a regular Stanley Cup run simply for the fact that they don't want an asterisk next to their name when it's engraved. You talked a little bit about the lifestyle that prevented the COVID from popping the bubble in Canada. What are some major differences between NHL player lifestyles versus NBA, NFL, or MLB? And do you think that the lack of stardom and the lack of recognition throughout the country, at least in the United States, uh, for hockey plays a role into that? Uh, yes, I do. And I know everybody's different on a personal level, but as far as exposure goes for the sport of hockey, I think the lack of, I don't know if lack of exposure is the right word, but uh, I think popularity maybe has played a role in the fact that their egos are a little lower than most, uh, you think of the superstars in different sports, such as football or basketball. Why is Gary Bettman, who's the commissioner of the NHL, why is he more well-liked as the commissioner than any other major sports commissioner? Rivaled with Adam Silver, there's, we've, we've got a lot of comments that Adam Silver is very well-liked, but what separates Gary Bettman from the likes of Rob Manfred and Roger Goodell? Um, well, I think first and foremost, he does a great job listening to his players and what they want. As you can see, was evidence with the bubble and the kind of restart that the players had. And I think second of all is he's not the one dishing out a lot of these on-ice punishments for actions that the players take. That's Georgie Peros, the 
the uh, head of player safety for the NHL, who was an enforcer himself back back in the day when he played for multiple teams, the Abs, and teams of that liking. And he's a Princeton grad. He has a great great grasp, I think, on the position itself. And I think he's done a great job, but he takes a lot of the weight off of Gary as far as punishment goes. So we have issues. The biggest backlash with Roger Goodell is that he suspends guys on the field for things that are off the field issues. You don't really see that in the NHL, do you? No, you don't. You don't see it as much at all as any of the other major sports, simply, I think, because, you know, the lifestyle again. And the smaller rosters help with that, as well as the not as high of popularity, most in, mostly in the United States. Uh, and I think also, you know, the family atmosphere that surrounds hockey is very prominent still in the NHL as well. And I think a lot of that stuff is able to be taken care of in-house, helping guys with uh, things such as substance abuse before it gets to the point that it does for many people in the NFL and the NBA. Let's look back to the on-ice experience and the lack of fans in the arena. Has that been weird to watch? Uh, personally, I think it's been it, – it definitely took some getting used to. Uh, once it's gotten rolling, you know, I mean, it's still playoff hockey. They still play with the same intensity, which has surprised me a little bit with the lack of fans. But, yeah, it's, it's still been great to watch. Is there any – Sport playoff series you like watching more than playoff hockey? No, and I don't think anything really comes close. And and talk a little bit about just that intensity, that difference in intensity in the regular season versus the postseason. Right. Now, you think about it, hockey might have one of the more boring regular seasons to watch. It's pretty long. Uh, games, games. I don't know. You know. You know, baseball, you know baseball gets a little taxing. I would agree. 162 I, games, that's taxing. Basketball can get a little... The regular season games can get a little draining, but continue. continue. I, I agree. I think uh, I think there's more buzz around the basketball regular yep. season, but Agreed. I do agree. I I don't follow baseball enough to care about the regular season as much. Um, but yeah, as far as playoff hockey, the the atmosphere that surrounds that is just unparalleled as far as the drive there is to win that that Stanley Cup. What team do you think is going to be affected affected most this postseason with the lack of fans? In, in attendance. Um, well, you got to think about Boston, I think, first and foremost. Uh, they, they rely heavily on their fans for all their sports. I mean, you look at, like, the Boston Celtics fan base, for one, the Red Sox, very passionate as well, and the Bruins. Uh, and I think Philadelphia, the Flyers, are also going to be hurt a little bit by this just because Philly fans are just a different breed everywhere you go for any sport. Let's let's continue talking about matchups this this postseason. And let's go into the Vegas Knights and Vancouver Canucks uh, playoff series. Uh, yeah, I had the Knights taking this one in six, I think, you know, as the number one seed in the West. Uh, Vancouver, obviously a lot of talent with Elias Peterson and Quinn Hughes, both very young, talented guys. But I think Vegas is going to take that experience in that number one seed and just go past them in six. Staying in the Western Conference, we got Colorado-Dallas. Game one last night didn't go Colorado's way. From the, a lot of the people that I've talked to, it seems like they're the favorite to win. Does your mindset change with a game one loss? Uh, no, I don't. They're a young team. You know, they, they still there's still a lot of learning to do as far as playoff experience goes, and they're going to face a little bit of adversity. And I think they're going to be able to deal with it. I have them winning this series in six as well, and they they are my favorite to win the Stanley Cup too. So, Let's move across to the Eastern 
uh, conference and talk a little bit about the number one seeded Philadelphia Flyers playing. Got to be the bubble surprise New York Islanders. Oh, yeah. The, the Islanders have been a great surprise, honestly, just being able to watch them. They're almost, I would say, comparable to the Toronto Raptors after losing Kawhi Leonard. You know, a lot of, a lot of supporting pieces uh, around. Not really a true superstar, you know, 160-point player in Barzal this year. Uh, but, yeah, it's been great to watch. Great team defense getting past the, the Capitals in five games, only allowing eight goals total. I think that was, that was something good to watch. Moving down, let's close out the second round and, and talk to me about Tampa Bay and Boston. I wrote an article for the website, www.chopshopsportsnetwork.com. Wrote a piece about Boston woes. Uh, obviously, the Celtics just swept Philly. The Red Sox are bad. The Patriots are bad. I am saying that Boston fans are going to be brokenhearted with this Bruins team. And I have them losing to Tampa Bay in round two. What are your thoughts? I think this is where we disagree a little bit, Paul. I have Boston beating Tampa Bay in seven. There's no denying the star power on either team. I think uh, Tampa Bay has just had a really tough time in the postseason, and Boston has a ton of experience in it. Um, So, yeah, I do disagree, Paul. I think they're going to get to the cup finals this year. But once again, I don't think they'll they'll be able to unseat the Avalanche. So you're saying that they're going to get past the Islanders in the Eastern Conference Finals? Yes, how many games does Boston does Boston take now? Uh, I'm going to say it takes Boston six games to get past the Islanders because the Islanders have played such a good team team defense and just brought the energy every night, day in and day out. So, uh, yeah, I think it'll take them six games, and I think it'll be a tough six games. What do the Islanders need to do to get past Boston? To get past Boston, they're going to have to have some great goaltender play as well as I think like, if they – the fact that they were able to hold the Capitals to eight goals in five games is, is nuts. So I think if, if they're able to keep that up against the Bruins, they, they have a very good chance to, to beat the Bruins. We'll head back west and talk about the Avalanche, the potential Avalanche and Vegas series. Talk to me what the Avalanche need to continue to do to stay hot and get past Vegas. Well, you know, I think Avalanche, the Avalanche just need to continue to ride their young stars. You know, you have Nate McKinnon with 16 points already uh, in six games, or seven games, six games, excuse me, uh, so far this postseason. So he's been absolutely on fire. Miko Rantanen with 11 and Gabriel Landeskog with 10. Like, that line is absolutely loaded. Um, they're also getting a great a great uh, playoffs out of Kadri so far with 12 points here in the first six games. So I think just relying on that young talent still uh, – uh, counting on the fact that they'll learn as they go through these playoffs, I think will prove to be prove to be good for them. Let, let's talk a little bit about the travel and how does not having to travel from city to city, stadium to stadium, impact the game on the ice? Um, I, I think it does have a big impact because traveling in general, everybody knows that takes wear and tear on you, no matter who you are or what you're doing. And I think the teams that that uh, that's really going to benefit is the Canucks, just simply because they're they're so far off up in Vancouver, as well as the Boston Bruins. You know, being a little bit more older, experienced team, not having to travel down to Tampa Bay for a seven-game series. Uh, yeah, so I think it's going to favor those two teams. However, I mean, with nobody traveling, I think it really evens the playing field. Does playing in a neutral site arena does what what benefit does that have to maybe a younger team? having the familiarity of going into the same place every day, is that is that going to be an impact? 
Um, well, I'm not sure so much about the younger teams as far as the smaller market teams. I think if you're Colorado in the Stanley Cup Finals going into Boston, that's a tough place to play, especially in front of a tough crowd. So I think having that neutral site will play to the advantage of those teams like the Colorados, the Islanders, who don't always draw the most fans. <clears throat> what, what player has really stood out in the bubble so far? Uh, this postseason. I mean, you got to look at Kadri for the Avalanche here, coming out of coming off of a season last year with with uh, excuse me Toronto. He came over after them having to unload some pieces due to the giant contracts there, Matthews and Marner. Uh, he was the backbone of that that Toronto team. He's really proven it here in the playoffs with the Avalanche with 12 points in the first six games. Talk to me about the points uh, for maybe our fans that don't watch as much hockey. How how does that point stat compared to other sports on impact of the game and how do you get points it's not just scoring goals it's also assists so you get one point for a goal one point for an assist yes that's correct so how does that um how does that stat relay over to other sports that people uh watch um so they, they are their own separate categories just as you would think in basketball with you have your points and your assists however uh, when you're looking at a point total for a hockey player, you're looking more at the success of a line of three, three forwards and two defensemen as opposed to the success of an individual player in basketball. So plus minus plays a, a much bigger factor in hockey than it does in the other sports. Who is the one player on any of these teams that needs to play well? Let's talk about a team outside of the avalanche. One player that needs to step up their game or continue to play at the level they're playing right now in order to make a deep playoff run? Uh, you know, I think Barzal, only seven points here so far in the Islanders through the first five games. Not not bad, but I think as the leader of that team, I think needs to needs to take it up one more notch to help them into the conference finals. Let's talk a little bit of the future of the NHL and talk about the draft. Now, there's a lot of buzz about this new prospect and every, it seems like every three or four years, there's a guy that everybody wants. Basketball, it seems every year, there's the number one pick that's gonna be a franchise changer. NFL, there's always a quarterback that's gonna be a franchise changer. You know, baseball, it takes too long for these guys to develop, so baseball draft's not as important. But every few years, it seems like there's buzz around the NHL draft. We have that this year. And can you talk to me about this young prospect? Right. So I think the, the big difference here between the NHL and, say, basketball is basketball, everybody coming up plays high school basketball and then will either sit a year or go play a year of college. Uh, you look at these, these top hockey prospects, they'll be 15 years old going and playing against 23, 24-year-old men. Essentially, in these well, like leagues. the Luka Doncic route. Yes, more so. So I would compare it, yes, to the European route. That's actually a great point, Paul. Um, and so yeah, you have Alexis Lafreniere here uh, out of the queue. Um, he's been a, a big buzz around him, uh, being the the leader here of Team Canada for the for the World Juniors, racking up ten points in just five games to win the title for his country. That's that's pretty impressive. Uh, and you've had a lot of talent come out of the queue, you know, in the last. In the last decade or so. I know Crosby was back in 05, but he came out of there. Nico Heischer in 2017, and then Nate McKinnon back in 2013, probably being the one who's achieved the most recent success. What, what's the cue for, for the non-hockey avid fan? What What is the cue? So you have the QMJHL, which essentially is the Quebec, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And Quebec is like a mecca 
of hockey up in Canada. I would compare it almost to like if you're thinking like you think New York City in basketball is the mecca of basketball. Quebec, I mean, has produced a lot of talent out of there. Uh, they're they're rivaled by the OHL, the Ontario mm-hmm. Hockey League, which are where you think of like you know like Wayne Gretzky came out of playing his juniors, Eric Lindros, who though a short career played in there as well. Um, yeah. So if I'm a top hockey prospect, my options are to go to college, or what? What are some of the options? I know that there's a lot of prep school. These young guys get pulled out. They go play elsewhere. What are some things? What are some of the career paths that you can take to get to the NHL? So to get to the NHL, if you are not so, you look at like you have your number one draft pick here with Alexis. He he's he's an eighteen year old kid, and he's just he's been pegged as that talent from the time he's been fourteen years old. So him coming up, playing juniors for the last couple of years has allowed him the ability to be exposed and to have that like number one pick status. Uh, but you look at a lot of guys who are maybe late round picks or guys that play in the minors and come up, like the AHL, which is essentially the league right below the NHL. Uh, they're in juniors from the time they're like a junior in high school, and then after they graduate high school, they'll play a few more years of juniors, and then go into college as a 23-year-old, 24-year-old freshman. And you think about they graduate, so you're, you're drafting guys that are 25 years old, which is not like basketball where you're picking up all these 19, 20-year-olds. Is this kid going to change an NHL franchise? Does he have Connor McDavid-like potential? Um, I, I, Everything I've read up on him tells me that he is, and he's had a, he had a great year here in the queue, averaging about two points a game, which is unreal. Um, and So I think he does have that potential. We'll just have to see if he reaches it or not. Let's close out here. What are some final thoughts? What are you looking forward to most in, in the final three rounds of the Stanley Cup playoffs? You know, I think everybody loves a good Cinderella story, and we're, we're watching the Islanders do it right now, and I, I can't wait to see how they perform here in this next round or so. Where are you punching your ticket for the celebratory parade? Oh, I'm, I'm booking the flight to Colorado tonight. Any final closing thoughts for our, our fans here of uh, the show? Uh, no, just appreciate you having me on, Paul, and can't wait to talk to you guys more. Make sure you guys give us a follow at Chop Shop Sports on Instagram, Chop Shop Sports 1 on Twitter. Give NBA Chop Shop a follow as well, and check out our website, chopshopsportsnetwork.com. Riley, thanks for joining us. Uh, I look forward to having you on the show in the future and talking more hockey.